0: Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So anyone still wondering why I've been so focused on Scott Porras through this whole process? Anyone, anywhere. Have any questions left? Nope? Okay, well, good morning then. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovachevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Major League Baseball's Players Association rejected what the owners had described as as their best and final offer, about a half hour before the owners imposed a deadline of 5 p.m. yesterday. And it took no more than a half hour after that for Rob Manfred to call a press conference to declare that the first two series of the 2022 season across baseball were canceled. And at least according to what the owners had vowed earlier in the week, they will not be made up and the compensation for the players from those games will not be forthcoming even if and when a resolution gets reached. That was the news of the day. And that, of course, ended up getting spun exactly the direction you would expect based on months and months of the national baseball media, but really all baseball media, you know, at least as far as I can see, with very, very, very few exceptions, everything's been extraordinarily pro player. And I feel like it's worth a pause here to explain something for those who don't have any kind of background uh, in the journalism business and why it might seem odd that I criticize reporters for having a slant toward one side when you've been hearing me on here forever advocating for a salary cap, even though I'm not on the owner's side. I happen to think a salary cap would be best for the players in addition to competitive balance. My role when I'm doing this or when I'm writing for DK Pittsburgh Sports is that of a columnist. Columnist, for anybody who doesn't know, The job is to express opinion. Ideally, it's opinion that's well-supported, that's well-researched. You can do a lot of your own digging with sources to help inform that opinion. But at the end of the day, what you're delivering is opinion. In 2004, when I covered the NHL lockout, I did so as a straight news reporter, and I played it right down the middle. And I am here to tell you, 18 years later, that I very, very, very much wanted to see that league get a salary cap in large part to save hockey in Pittsburgh. The cap came, hockey's never been healthier in Pittsburgh, and hockey's never been healthier in general. But in that role, I was doing straight reporting because my job was to go there. This was when I was with the Post-Gazette to deliver, to relay the news. These people that I'm talking about are almost without exception, news reporters. All those people sitting on those lawn chairs out there in Jupiter, Florida, Reporting every time somebody walked back and forth from one room to another, every last one of them is a news reporter. And you've read the accounts out of there. You've read the accounts from news reporters all over. They're unbelievable. It's happened en masse. It's become completely acceptable for professional news reporters to not be that. And even then, Yesterday, last night, I should say, the reaction to this news from this group was mind blowing on three elements in particular. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern, that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience. Underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. The first element that got spun, like, out of control almost immediately was the portrayal of the owners having declared these cancellations. Now, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier, even though it was patently obvious to anyone paying attention, the owners submitted what they termed a best and final offer. That means that when they sent that offer across, Had the players said yes to the offer, that would have been the end of it. They'd be playing ball. I am not saying the players should have accepted absolutely anything that the owner sent over. I am saying that the owners put themselves into a position by sending over that document with that phrasing that all the players had to do was say yes and there'd be ball. So the control of the process was out of the owner's hands for however long the players held on to that document. So the idea that it was the owners just wiping this thing out doesn't take at all into account that it was the players who ended the process. Two. When Manfred went to the mic and spoke, one of the lines that came from his mouth was something that I don't recall ever hearing from a sitting commissioner of baseball. Exact quote We have a payroll disparity problem. Period. Going to read it to you again. We have a payroll disparity problem. I have not heard that from anyone, even though it's kind of obvious. And you know all those times I've been complaining about the owner's messaging and what is it that they're looking for? What are they trying to achieve here? What's going on? This was the answer. And by the way, this was the correct answer. Know how many national outlets included that quote in their coverage? Go Google it. Give it a try. I did. Couldn't find it on ESPN, USA Today, Yahoo. The list, I'm sure, goes on a lot longer. You know where I found it? Know where I found it? The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. That's how it goes, kids. Market two thirds the size of Pittsburgh. That's baseball and your baseball media in a sweet nutshell. But, oh my, I'm not done. Number three, also not reported by anyone, even though it's sitting right there in black and white in front of everyone, meaning the final proposals and what they actually meant. The proposals were, of course, printed. The only thing that mattered, the only real separation between the owners and the players, as Max Scherzer himself would acknowledge later, was the difference in the luxury tax threshold. The owners really didn't feel compelled to move it much over 230. The players wanted it to be roughly 30 or 40 million more than that. Now, anyone's free to an opinion as to whether or not that's worth saying no to just going ahead and playing ball. I'm actually not even going to delve there. But I am going to point out that the number of teams impacted by the luxury tax threshold is exactly one. The Los Angeles Dodgers, of course. They're well over it Already at $277 million. the Padres were over it in 2021 by a million bucks, which is next to nothing, relatively speaking, and they'll only be there temporarily. It had to do with extensions that they signed, notably for Fernando Tatis. No one else, not one other team, was even close to the luxury tax threshold this past year when it was $214 million. So this last dispute was singularly about allowing the Dodgers to spend even more than they do without fear of paying heavier penalties. Why is that? It's very, very simple, as anyone who's dealt with Scott Boris can personally attest, as I in my own dealings, and they've been extensive with Boris, can personally attest his belief and his handling of his clients is built around the concept of creating a marketplace. That's actually the terminology that he uses. He wants, when a player goes onto the market, for there to be several teams in the bidding. And then he can get his whole corporation involved and start doing all kinds of comparisons and playing one owner against the other. Loves to meet with them, have dinner and all that other stuff. Actually, he loves for them to ask to meet with him so that they can have dinner with him. Something else that I'm not guessing at and heard firsthand. And so he sees this environment where he knows... That Hal Steinbrenner and John Henry, the respective owners of the Yankees and the Red Sox, made clear and visible decisions to not go above the luxury tax. And again, in fact, they weren't even close to it this past season. And he worries and he sees that the only team that's going to pay or overpay or whatever it is for his most prized clients is the Dodgers. It was about one team and one agent. That is the only reason that yesterday unfolded as it did. The owners sent that piece of paper across the parking lot. And by calling it best and final offer, they forfeited their right to take it back and say, Nah, we were just kidding. They were done. They couldn't have known, not with certainty, how the players would react. This happened because one team is grossly outspending all others, including the Yankees and the Red Sox, and because one agent is puppeteering this union by placing five, count them, five of his clients on the eight member player executive council, including Scherzer incidentally. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back, time for J1Q, and today's comes from Mac, who says, Hey DK, Major League Baseball has ruined me as a fan, and specifically the Nuttings. But that aside, is a salary floor and ceiling being negotiated as well during all this chaos? I appreciate this question as well as the sentiment, Mac. I could answer this with a really glib, no, of course not. But I'm not sure that would be accurate. And and here's why I say that. Scherzer, in his press availability following this decision, said with some disdain that when the players agreed to the luxury tax threshold several years ago for that to be included in the labor agreement, they did so to stop what was then referred to as runaway spending. The owners at the time had portrayed the luxury tax threshold as being there just to make sure that there wasn't one team or a couple teams going completely bonkers and messing everything up. Today, Scherzer continued, the union sees the luxury tax threshold as being treated like a salary cap. He used the words. That was amazing in and of itself. Don't know that I've ever even heard the words come out of a player's mouth. Unfortunately, he applied the term incorrectly because a salary cap system involves, repeat it with me, ceiling, a floor, and expanded revenue sharing. It's not just the top, it's also the bottom, and it's a whole bunch of what's in between. But I digress. Max said, and he was right, that the CBT... Competitive balance tax is currently being treated by teams as a ceiling. And for that matter, Manfred, I guess you could kind of say, supported that sentiment by acknowledging that baseball has a problem with payroll disparity. But the one thing that Max left out of his argument, and I'm sure it wasn't a coincidence, is that there is currently one team that has totally gone nuts with spending, unlike anything in the sports history. Wait, wait, wait. Unlike anything in any sports history. So I guess this is what I'm trying to say here, Mac, is that the cap, the salary cap concept – at least in some weird ways, came up on this day. And it was exposed once and for all as being the issue, no longer just on this particular program. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We will do another one